Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. I'm just going down to the shed for a bit. Okay. How's it going? All right, how are you? I'm good, I've got the box. The, the box? Yes. I'm just, <laughs> I've got to take it down to the shed. I can't open it in the house because uh, Eva thinks it's too creepy. Hold on a sec. I'm Danny Robbins okay, and I don't believe in ghosts. Is what I would have said to you at pretty much any point up until about two years ago which is when I was first introduced to the contents of this cardboard box in front of me right now. So inside here are documents that tell a ghost story. It's a story of what I think is Britain's strangest ever haunting. We start back on the 6th of March 1956 with the previous owner of this cardboard box, Harold Chibbett. He's a paranormal investigator, and he's walking through Battersea, South London. He's bald in his 50s, a bit rotund. He rings on the door of number 63, Wycliffe Road. The house is rented by the Hitchings family, and it's become famous as the site of an alleged poltergeist haunting. Multiple witnesses have heard strange noises and seen objects move. Chip is shown into the front room. Sitting there is the person that all the press attention has focused on. The Hitchings' 15-year-old daughter. A thin, brown-haired girl with big, dark eyes. Shirley. Do you think we're all mad? Shirley. We've had a lot of people through. Police, the press. Clairvoyance. Well? I think you're frightened. And fear is a powerful thing. It's, it's what's kept humanity alive for millions of years. Uh, here's your tea, Mr Chibbert. Mm. Please, call me Chib. Do you mind if I take notes? Oh, I suppose not. Will you keep it all? Every single thing I say? I'm afraid so. I have a little study at home. Endless piles of paper. My wife says I'm obsessed. With what? The dead. Dad said you was in the war. The Great One. I flew planes. Was you scared then? Every single day. People think fear's exciting, like a roller coaster or a horror film. What a load of... Shirley. Rubbish. Real fear. It's like a disease. It eats away at you. Till you can't walk, or talk, or even think. That's why I'm here, Shirley. To find out what is going on, and make it stop. No, Chip. Not it. Him. Chibbert will end up devoting his life to this case, but the mystery of what terrorised Shirley and her family will never be solved until now. Over the next eight parts, we're going to reinvestigate this paranormal cold case. And I want to say something, because I know that right now, in your head, you're taking a position. You 
believe in ghosts or you think they're a load of rubbish. But this story is so strange and so unsettling. It just might change your mind. This is the Battersea Poltergeist. Episode 1, 63, Wycliffe Road. Turn left onto Wycliffe Road. I'm a writer and journalist, but ever since I was a kid, I've been obsessed with ghosts. Do they exist? And if not, why do people see them? It's those questions that have led me and my producer Simon here on this cold winter's day, looking for a haunted house. You can see there's a few of the old Victorian houses left, just... Maybe like eight of them, but then everything else has been knocked down. Uh, lots of newer 1960s council flats. And I think that this is where number 63 was. Let's have a look. Uh, if you can hear any rattling, that's my scooter, by the way. I am one of those people who has a, a child scooter as a grown-up. Back in the 1950s, Wycliffe Road was a fairly poor street in a working-class area. Now it's fully gentrified, a stone's throw from swanky gastropubs and artisan coffee roasters. 60, 62, 64... So where's 63? Is it around this corner? 94, 90... Hiya! Excuse me, do you know where another 63 is at all? 63? Yeah. Fittingly, for a ghost story, number 63 Wycliffe Road has disappeared. So why are we here? A couple of years ago, I started doing a podcast, and um, it was all about people who believed they've seen ghosts. And I was introduced to one case that was clearly too big for an episode. It was too weird, uh, too sprawling. It lasted 12 years, and it just contained the most bizarre incidents. It starts on this road, and at one point it's national news, it's on primetime TV, it's across all the newspapers, and it even gets talked about in Parliament. But nobody ever works out what's going on. There are plenty of theories, some from believers, some from sceptics, but no one ever makes sense of what happened. So was this a haunting or a hoax? It's time to begin our investigation. We're going to start on this street back in 1956. I think it's time to meet the occupants of number 63. I've found some chocolate biscuits at the back of the cupboard. Shirley's dad, Wally Hitchings, is a tall, thin, thoughtful man in his 40s who works as a train driver on the London Underground. It still tastes all right. Shirley, get a plate for those. We're not blooming cavemen. His wife Kitty's a few years older, a former office clerk. She's in a wheelchair due to chronic arthritis. Sorry, Mr Chip, I need a parking space. Oh, of course. Pardon me. They share the house with Shirley's grandmother, Ethel. Nan! I'm not flaming coming. She's a big presence in the house, six foot four and 250 pounds, but a stroke slowed her down. I want nothing to do with this unholiness. 
It scares her. She's a Catholic, so she believes in... Evil. Oh, this is John. John is Shirley's adopted brother. He's in his 20s and a surveyor for the local council. Looking for ghosts? Perhaps. Wasted journey, mate. They don't exist. How would you explain what's going on? He can't. Yet? Scared as the rest of us, just won't admit it. So, uh, where do you want to start? The best place, I find, is always the beginning. I've read the newspaper accounts, but they're very sensational. I'd like to hear in your own words when you first noticed something odd. The key. Shirley found it. End of January. 27th. It was on my bed, sitting on the pillow. I'd never seen it before. Describe it. Silver. Fancy. Old. With little swirly curls. Not the sort you expect in a house like ours, too posh. I showed it to Dad. I was bathing Kitty, she can't. My hands, blooming useless claws. I told you to stick it on the mantelpiece. I said I'd have a look later. Where'd you put that key? The mantelpiece. Well, it's not there now. Well, I... Oh. What? It's here. Back on my pillow. Did you put it there? I don't think... No. You must have. I didn't. (sighs) Give it here, silly. I'll find out where it's from. tried every lock in the house, even up in the attic. A chest of drawers our old lodger left. Come on, you stubborn beggar. Come on. It didn't fit anything. I don't reckon we'd have thought no more about it. But that night, that's when it began. John! I thought it was you, Maggie. Why, in the middle of the night, you daft? Come on, mate. It's like the blitz all over again. And where was it coming from? Everywhere. Inside the walls. Uh, uh, John, he knows about buildings. He was trying to find an explanation. Right, I checked the boiler. A hand There's nothing to do with the pipes. Sounds like something's trapped. Where's the cat? What about the attic, Dad? Could something be up there? Like what? Dear Lord. Go and check. And boys, you be careful. This seems like a good point to get into our present-day investigation... Harold Chibbert worked alone, but I'm building a small team of experts in different fields. Overseeing it will be two academics who specialise in paranormal phenomena. Kieran O'Keefe is a psychology professor at Buckinghamshire New University. He's in his late 40s with close-cropped hair and intense eyes, and he's spent his life studying why people believe in ghosts. So would you describe yourself as a hardcore sceptic? I think hardcore sceptic is the best description. In the past, I've been described as a cynic. 
and as a debunker and party pooper and words that are a lot more colorful and worse than that. But skeptic means somebody who's open-minded but questioning. Alongside Kieran is Evelyn Hollow. She's in her mid-twenties, a writer and parapsychologist from Edinburgh. My background is in forensic psychology, mostly working in things like eyewitness. Evelyn's a gothic moulder to Kieran's sensibly dressed scully. So I would describe my belief system as being Celtic pagan. I got into parapsychology because myself, my mother and my sisters have had instances that could be described as paranormal. But I call my mum a spirit talker because... I don't want to say talks to dead people, but there's, there's no other way to say it. From classic horror movies, Poltergeist and the Amityville Horror, to more recent films like Insidious and The Conjuring, and even Peeves in Harry Potter, there's something tangible about a ghost that can chuck things around the room that seems to capture our imaginations. I think maybe part of it is down to the potentially aggressive quality of Poltergeist. I think there's that dangerous aspect which makes it more exciting than, for want of a better word, a mundane haunting where it's somebody, you know, a spirit just floating across the corridor. And now we're investigating a real case that feels like a horror movie come to life. Evelyn, what do you make of it? It's a truly wild case. Not just, yeah, the length of it. This went on for 12 years, which is just incredible. It might be the longest ongoing poltergeist case ever. Also, the sheer volume of people that were involved in it. So it it starts to kind of rule out the idea that a couple of people might be faking it or they've convinced themselves of what they saw. And the variety of phenomena is incredible. You know, when people say, oh, well, there were some knocking noises or they thought they saw things move. We're, we're not talking about, you know, something fell off a desk. We're talking about a clock floating through the air. We're talking about pots and pans being thrown from a room that nobody was in. Kieran and Evelyn are going to be studying the original material on the haunting. The Hitchings family's diaries, the newspaper and police reports, and incredibly, we also have all of Harold Chibbert's original files on the case. We have a whole plethora of evidence. You've got objects moving, but also levitating, bedsheets being pulled, scratching sounds. You've got apparently intelligent communication that's happening. So handwritten letters, drawings on the wall. You've got fire, spontaneous fires as well. There's voices that are heard at some point. I mean, it's a huge, huge amount of phenomena to get your teeth into and to really understand what was going on. If that's genuine, that blows anything out of the water from some of the other poltergeist cases that are held up to be the best. So at this point, early in the investigation, I just want to check how you're both feeling about this. Are these noises supernatural, Kieran? No. Evelyn? <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to say yes. Good. I love it. We've got controversy already. So on that note, let's head back to number 63 and find out what's going on with these strange noises as Wally and John enter the attic. Oh! Bloody spider's whip. Language. Oh, it smells a bit. Damp. Shine a light. Over there. Where? Past those boxes. Jesus! Oh. What's that? Oh. It's Kitty's old dressmaking dummy. 
Glad it's you. Oh, what the blooming heck's going on, Kate? What is your husband doing in here? This was your neighbours. Lily lives at number sixty-one. Shirley calls her auntie, but she's an old friend of mine. Mrs. Cameron's at number sixty-five. They had heard the noise. You could hear it several houses away. They'd come to tell Dad off. Are you crazy, Mister H? Hammering on the walls at three in the morning? It's nothing to do with me. Oh God, you see. It just started up. We've no idea why. I don't want to worry you, Wally. But what if the house is caving in? You should, you should call the landlord. Call the police. Call the fire brigade. Oh, call them all. Well, I put the kettle on. If the roof's going to fall in on us, I'll need a strong cup of tea. I'm scared, Mum. What is it? I don't know, Cheryl. But I don't think it's subsidence. Listen. There's a rhythm. It's like someone's knocking. I'm trying to get in. Kieran, why in poltergeist cases do noises come first? What's going on here? The argument from some parapsychology theorists is that it's about attention. We're seeing effectively a ghost with a tantrum. We're talking about banging so loud that the neighbours thought they were ripping up the floorboards in the middle of the night. We're talking about people being able to hear it in the street. That's not normal building or environmental things. That is beyond that. It almost carries a sense of violence, but more than that, the sound is moving around. It's not in one wall. It's not just in the furniture. It's in the ceiling. That would scare the most hardened person. That is real terror, I think. I feel like I need to get my head around just how loud this banging was to really understand what the family was experiencing. So I'm going to conduct a little controlled experiment. Ideally, we'd have done this at number 63 Wycliffe Road, but we know that was knocked down in the 1960s. So instead, we're in my house. Uh, It's not quite the same size as Shelley's, but it's part of the Victorian Terrace. And to help me out, I've got my wife, Eva. Hi. Hello. Um, (laughs) That was awkward. (laughs) And so what we're going to do, I've got a recording of a banging sound, Mm -hmm. and we're going to play it on our stereo, and we're going to ramp up the volume as loud as we possibly can. I'm going to measure the decibels of it. And at the same time, we are going to position our neighbours, and as soon as they hear the banging, they're going to send me a message. So that way, hopefully, we can get a sense of just what the Hitchings family went through. So we're basically recreating a haunted house here. Sounds a bit scary. Yeah. (laughs) Do we need to move after? Yes, hello, Danny. Hello, Mel. We're ready for you. Hello, Leo. You all right? We're ready to go if you're ready. Is that okay? Yep. Okay, here we go. Okay. Okay, so let's get lined up. Let's start it. Yeah, you ready? Yep. Eva's got her ear defenders on. 
Actually, the, our four-year-old Charles here defenders. <laughs> but she's got a small head. Here we go. We're going to 77 there. Ramp it up a bit. Okay, so we're hitting 80. So 80 means we're heading into hearing damage from prolonged exposure. We're getting into the, into the red. Oh, here we go, okay. All right, here we go, hello. Okay, we're getting the thumbs up from Mel. It's audible, so that is audible at 80. So keep pumping it, pumping. So we're heading into dangerous territory here. Okay, we seem to be hitting 85 decibels. We're going a bit higher, 87 decibels. Okay, so, oh God, have we genuinely blown our speakers? We were hitting such a huge level of decibels, we might have blown out our speakers. That's not good. Hello, Mel. Yes, I can hear it, but it's not particularly loud. It sounds like you're moving furniture around. Well, that was intensely loud in our house. Yeah, I mean, I uh, could you, you could hear it, and, and how loud was it for you, Kay? In the kitchen, I could barely hear it. Didn't bother me. Okay. So to get to the stage where it's annoying you even louder, it would have to be into serious, crazy levels of hearing damage. Perhaps it helps if you're slightly deaf. <laughs> no, I think I might have asked the wrong people. <laughs> but thank you for your help. Oh my God, that was crazy. So we, I mean, we literally, we went so loud there. We blew out all of our equipment. Gonna have to get the BBC to buy me a whole new set of speakers and amp system. You think the production budget will cover a new amp and new speakers? We called the police out, but by the time they got here, it stopped. Did you show them the key? It disappeared. We never saw it again. You could tell they thought we were making the whole thing up. And were you? <laughs> it's a question I must ask. Of course not. How am I going to wheel myself around banging on walls? Surely. What's that mean? He asked the question. On Nan's life, I had nothing to do with it. John? What she said. But afterwards, the noises continued? Every single night for two weeks. Upstairs and downstairs, as if it wanted to drive us mad. I'm not just banging, a scratch into, like, claws. Really? Where? In the walls again. Sometimes it even seemed to be inside the furniture. In old bed. You could hear it in the headboard when he was trying to sleep, crawling towards you, worming its way inside your head. Oh, oh last. I, I spilled my tea all over myself. Oh, clumsy. I'll use your bathroom. Oh, yeah. It's out and on the left. Yeah. Looking for something? Oh, Mrs Hitchings, I, I couldn't resist a little exploratory sniff. You what? Uh, an old house is like a glass of wine. You can smell its story. Births, deaths, arguments, love, pain. They hang in the air. Might just be the dry rot. You're from Ireland. Aren't you the curious one? 
My mother was a traveller, a gypsy. She'd have had hard words for this nonsense. You don't believe in the supernatural? Oh, I believe in it. I was a district nurse. I've seen death close enough to know it's not the end. But no good ever came of poking into it. These journalists writing their rubbish about us. The crackpot psychics. And now you, sniffing around. What are you after? I see a family who are scared. And I would like to help. Answer the question. The possibility of making contact. Of talking to the dead. And have you done that before? (laughs) Not in a way that I feel is conclusive. Mm, I didn't think so. Them's that have. You see it in their eyes. Regret. You can't close that door. What do you think is happening here? I don't know. But there's worse to come. So, Kieran and Evelyn, we definitely get a sense here that Chib wants to believe this is genuinely a haunting. He's a fascinating character, isn't he? A classic ghost hunter. I think Harold Chibbett is a man after my own heart. He was a pilot during the war, and then he went on to become a writer... Then he was a tax inspector by day and then paranormal enthusiast who was obsessed with trying to make contact with the dead by night. His contacts are just incredible. He's the Jay Gatsby of ghosts. He is involved with Arthur Conan Doyle. Uh, He's involved with Harry Price. He's involved with Arthur C. Clarke. He's all over the place. If it's spooky, Harold Chibbett wants to be involved. He saw friends die in the First World War so he saw all of that and there's always this argument coming out of the First and Second World War that there's an increase of interest in communicating with the dead. I think what we've got is a subjective interest in a case which he starts to see as potentially the holy grail of poltergeist cases. So now we are following in Chip's footsteps and I feel like as much as this is the story of one family's experiences It's also about something bigger. It's that question, do ghosts exist? Kieran, you said you were a hardcore (laughs) sceptic. Is this the case that could change your mind? Potentially this is. Evelyn, we started with some banging on the walls. It's going to get worse. Oh, it's going to get so much worse. (laughs) With your permission, I would like to take on the case. Oh, right. Uh... This is awkward, but... um... I'll just say it, Dad. We can't afford to pay you much. Oh, dear. I'm sorry. No, I I mean, oh, dear, if I gave that impression. I I don't charge. Are you sure? Well, what would you be paying me for? To sit in your kitchen chatting to a ghost? (laughs) Try claiming that from the tax office. (laughs) No. No, I I fit this around my day job. Where's that? The tax office. (laughs) Now, I might take that last biscuit. And you can tell me what happened next. Well, um, we were two weeks into it by now. At our wit's end. Oh, finally... 
It's like he's trying to decide what to do next. Hey. Well, it feels like it's got a personality, don't it? You walk into a room and it's like... You're being watched. Yeah, it's definitely a he. Creepy sod. Charlie! Mum's even given him a nickname. You haven't. Oh, well, it sort of helps, doesn't it? It makes it feel a bit less frightening if you can shout something back. So? So what? What's the name? Spooky Willie. <laughs> I say, stop that, Spooky Willie. You can't call him that. What then? I don't know. Charlie Boy? No. Sounds like a racehorse. <laughs> yeah, they're both ridiculous. You might as well call it Donald Duck. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad, Nan. Yeah, he's just as annoying. Are you there, Donald? God's sake. Listen to you all. It's a flipping noise. Forty pipes or bust electrics or mice. Mice with sledgehammers. It's not a him. Donald. I'm going to bed. Stop! Listen. What's that? It's from Mum's room. It's... It's the furniture. The furniture's moving. Next episode on the Battersea Poltergeist. It's time to meet our only surviving witness. The real life, Shirley. We were all really scared. Scared out of our wits. Donald, move the chair. I thought this is going to be the end. We're we're all going to die. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.